All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, great to be with you. If you are uh, joining us online, uh, apologies for a few of the technical difficulties, um, but I believe uh, we're up and running. Um, as Pastor Charlie mentioned, um, my name is Young, pastor here at New Life. Um, we're at the exact halfway point of our sermon series, Heavenly Heart, Earthly Sinners. And so uh, we're at message number three. We've got two more after this, and then we're on to Wintercon. And so it's right around the corner. Uh, don't have too long to go. Um, throughout the series, we've been examining Jesus' heart for sinners uh, while he was on earth, and how that actually leads into uh, seeing that that same heart that met with sinners here on this earth uh, now intercedes for us in heaven. And so that is uh, where we're headed today as well. His heart still burns for you. And if this is the case, we can build our lives upon every truth that we hear about, that we read in scripture. Every promise that he makes to us, uh, makes to his disciples, is also for us. Now here's where we should land today uh, throughout this message. We should land with our love for Jesus growing. You know, surprise, surprise. This is what we go through every single week. Um, but this simple thing can really escape us if we're not able to actually put our minds, our hearts, and our entire beings uh, towards loving Jesus. Otherwise, we can just kind of sit through service, um, get to the end of it, and then another week passes by and we're back to uh, square one. So allow this to be a prayer this morning that you will love Jesus uh, for the first time maybe, or that your love for Jesus will grow through today's service. Uh, with that in mind, how about I pray for us, and then we'll get into the message. Uh, Father, we want to love your son. We truly do want to love your son. For those of us who do know him, we want to love him. We want to love him more. We want to love him the way that you love him. We want to love him the way that he loves us. For those of us who have come at the invitation of our friends, who are curious about the gospel, we ask, Lord, that you will put that desire upon our hearts that we would want to love him. We don't want to land anywhere else but in this love. And we acknowledge, Lord, that this is hard, that it's hard to live a life of love, let alone towards those that we see here on this earth, whether in our families, whether the friends that we enjoy the company of, those in the flesh that we meet day by day. We struggle even to love them, but how much more the God that we don't see. And so we ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we might be able to see him. We ask, Lord, that you would make us able to see and able to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and that even if we don't, that our love for Jesus would grow, that the work of the Holy Spirit would not be hindered by our hearts, but instead that you'll break down every wall that we put up that you would help us, Lord, to grow in love. Now in this message today, we ask that you would illuminate your word to us and that you would help us, Lord, to take away everything that is love and to come to seek you in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
a Christian theologian, Francis Schaeffer, he once said, the end of the matter is to be in relationship to God. The end of the matter is to be in relationship to God. And it doesn't matter if we're getting together every single Sunday. It doesn't matter if we're going on missions. It doesn't matter if we think that we're something in the church. In the end, there has to be some sort of reality. and There has to be something real when it comes to the life of Jesus as it intersects with our own lives. We need for him to affect the day-to-day of our living. And it has to be that the forgiveness of real and specific sin in our lives compels us, convicts us, and we understand what it is that we're actually forgiven for. There must be something real about our relationship with God that leads to the fruit of the Spirit growing fully in us, becoming visible in our lives through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. There needs to be a reality to our relationship with God that's more than just words on a page, more than just routine of coming together, or whatever else that we push aside for the sake of what it is that we truly love. Now, last week we saw how Jesus, he comforted and consoled the disciples just as he prepared to leave for a time. Here he's continuing on. We saw how he was going to go and prepare a place for them and for us as well. And so for us, in his absence, we don't have him standing in front of us, talking to us, comforting us in that way. In his absence, can we love? Can we love Jesus, and what does this love actually end up looking like? About five years ago, uh, Bora went overseas, as she was the maid of honor in her childhood friend's uh, wedding. And this was particularly unfortunate timing for me anyway, uh, because I had to have a tooth pulled. Um, If you're keen-eyed and you're looking on screen, you can probably see a very small photo of that. I wasn't brave enough to make it any bigger, I thought about it, and then, Even this was a last-minute addition. You know, creative team knows I was wrestling with myself, um, but I decided, you know. (laughs) This tooth had to be pulled because uh, it was shaped a little bit funny uh, from the moment that it came out of my gums, and so it was causing complications. It was causing my gums to ache constantly, and there was a big problem. I'm all about dental health now. Okay, so you, you, you can talk to me about that. You can talk to the dentist here. So I was in a great deal of pain, Once this tooth was pulled, it was uh, very long before Jonas was born as well, so I felt pretty alone. You know, we were living in Melbourne at the time. My parents, they lived in Sydney, and so I'm there by myself. This house felt much bigger than I remembered. Even the air felt a little bit empty somehow. You know, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, if you feel really just sorry for yourself because you're, you're a little bit under the weather and there's no one around. And you're just like, why doesn't anyone notice? You know, and you're sending photos to different people. But was I really alone? Was I truly alone in that moment? Now, in the physical sense, perhaps I was. But it didn't change the fact that Bora, she loved me despite us being separated by some distance, despite her attention being pulled towards her childhood friend who was getting married. She still loved me. You don't have to get so close to the window to see uh, the tooth thing, okay? But anyway. In fact, before going away and without me realizing, she had set something up for me, okay? So basically, she had left notes like this one that you see on screen above my toothless grin. Uh, You can see on that little phone thing. She had left a little note like this, one for each day that she was gone. 
And she had left messages for me about how to take care of myself in terms of feeding myself. You know, I'm, I'm in my like, mid-30s. You know? <laughs> and so you can imagine she, how, how much she thought of me that I might die you know, what, with her gone. I'm like a, a plant or a hamster or something. And she had left uh, Bible passages as well and encouragements all throughout, reminders of how much she loves me. It was beautiful. And so how did I, in turn, love her during her absence? Now, the first verse that we read today, John 14, 15. Okay, we got me off screen, good. All right, if you love me, you will keep my commands. This, our opening verse from our passage today. If you love me, you will keep my commands. This is the key to the way that we grasp the rest of our passage that we're looking at this morning. If you love me, Jesus says, and this controls what's, how we read everything else in this passage. If you love me, you will keep my commands. In fact, we can look at it throughout the rest of the passage. If you love me, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. If you love me, you know the spirit of truth because he remains with you and will be in you. And this goes on all throughout the rest of the passage as well, and you can do this for yourself later. If you love me directs the thoughts that come all throughout. If you love me, this is what pierces our hearts. Jesus has shown his love, as we saw in the very first week of our series, as he washed the disciples' feet as he told them how much he loved them, and as he directed them now, love one another. And now for the first time, this is the first time Jesus talks to the disciples about their love for him. You can notice that Jesus doesn't assume that they do love him. Neither does he assume that they don't love him. Neither of these are assumptions that he makes. What he does do, though, is he provides the condition that love for him means keeping his commands. And we can take this for ourselves as well. Today, the assumption is not you definitely love Jesus. The assumption is not you definitely don't love Jesus, but this is here. If you love him, you will keep his commands. Now, what are these commands? Are they a rule book? Are they a bunch of laws contained in certain parts of the Bible? Are they little red letters that we see in some of our Bibles that indicate when Jesus is speaking? Are these the commands that we should be looking out for? Loving Jesus means not just observing a bunch of ethics and becoming an ethical type of person. Loving Jesus means keeping to the entire revealing of who God is everything that gets revealed to us about his identity, what he does. It's the revelation that comes from the Father. And this revelation comes as a person. It's Jesus Christ, Son of God, everything that he did. In other words, loving God means keeping his commands, which includes being devoted to Jesus to the point that you truly know him. You must know him if you love him. And if you love him, if you know him, you must be in some sort of relationship with him. 
Now, some of us at this point, we might have been down this road before. We might know that it's hard. It's hard to live this sort of lifestyle. There's a lot of stuff happening in our lives. A lot of things clamoring for our attention. This Christian life is hard, and you might say, I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus here with me. And you're right. It can't be done on our own. There's no way. And that's why we need someone, and that's why we must not be alone. Verses 16 to 17 read this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. We may think we're alone, but we're not alone. When Jesus is saying these things, like when is it in our, in our timelines? This is before the book of Acts. This is before the spirit of power comes and the tongues of fire land on the disciples. And yet he says, he remains with you and will be in you. Jesus Christ has gone to prepare a place for us. And so we might get tempted to wonder, what about this counselor then? What about this counselor that Jesus is talking about? Is he going to leave too? And yet in Christ's judgment, this counselor is better for us. And one reason is that he will be with you forever. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Those who truly do love Jesus will keep his commands because why wouldn't they? Everything about Jesus means life to us. And if we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, he compels us to keep his commands. And on his part, Jesus asked the Father to give the counselor to us. Now, who is the counselor? When we hear the word counselor, the immediate image that comes into our minds for most of us might be someone that we talk to about our mental health. You know, this might be the most popular definition now. You know, back maybe 20 years ago, before mental health was a lot more on our radar, it might have been something like a, a camp counselor at a youth camp. We might have in our minds someone who helps works out our marriage. And these aren't out of the question for the Holy Spirit, of course. But the word has more of a legal undertone. You know, those that work in law, you might recognize this word as well. Providing legal counsel, even though the work of the Holy Spirit goes beyond law. He's the spirit of truth, as we see in verse 17 there. This means that he communicates the truth to us And we saw last week that Jesus Christ is the truth. We saw this in verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this means that the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus to our hearts. Everything that the Spirit does, everything that he says serves to make our love for Jesus grow. Everything. The testimony, the witness that the Spirit bears to our hearts, without it, we can't possibly come to know Jesus in the first place. We can't possibly come to love Jesus without the work of the Holy Spirit. So what if I don't know the Spirit? What if this is the question on our hearts? But Jesus tells them, but you do know him. He tells us, 
but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. In some strange way, the Holy Spirit is already with the disciples as Jesus says to them here, you already know him because he remains with you. He'll be in you forever. And though the disciples might not realize it, we might not think so either. Those of us who are in Christ know the Spirit better than we think. It's us. We're doubtful about the relationship. The Holy Spirit's very certain about who he is in you and the kind of relationship that you share. Now, I don't mean to sound shallow or unfeeling when I say these things because this is difficult, okay? So if you find difficulty in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you find difficulty knowing who he is, I get it. I think a lot of us do, because in our modern day, even recognition of the presence of the Spirit, it's not there. If the Spirit is moving outside the church, do we recognize it? Do people in the world recognize it, or do they say, man, what a wonderful coincidence. What an amazing thing that something happened to save those people, to help us, to keep us alive, whatever it might be. Even recognition inside the Christian community is low. Do you know this? Like, there are whole books written about the Holy Spirit and how we don't know him. How he's forgotten in the church. We talk on and on about Jesus and the Father as we should, but what about the Holy Spirit? There's subsections of theologies built around the Holy Spirit, trying to get around his work in our daily lives. There's a lot of misunderstanding, and just generally speaking, not even getting that the Holy Spirit is God as we know him. He's not a thing. We don't call the Holy Spirit it. As we know the Father and the Son, we know the Spirit. We know him, and you're not alone. The Spirit will always be with us forever which means we're never alone. If you can replace the word not in the sermon title with never, you are never alone. No matter where we go or what we do, he's there. Unbound by time, as we can see with the disciples. Long before, we might suppose in our minds that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit from the Father's side, he says that he's there. He's unrestricted by space. Because the same spirit that resides in me resides in you and all of us. And he starts and he grows our love for God, changing our lives by transforming us from the inside out, taking us deeper in relationship with him. But if we truly love Jesus, we probably miss him too. No matter how good our relationship with God is, Maybe as we consider Jesus, as we read about Jesus, we miss him. Now, I don't want to equate the Holy Spirit or his activity with the notes that Bora left me, you know, as lovely as they were. No metaphor or analogy suffices to explain the three-in-one God. There's no way for us to do it. We land in heresy anytime we try. 
But no matter how loving and how thoughtful these notes were, everything that she did during her time away, I still missed her. I still longed for her to come back, as I should have. It makes sense. Any sort of relationship where someone, where you feel the absence of someone, you miss them. You want them to return. So we want to see Jesus in the flesh in front of us. And thankfully, even though we're never alone, Jesus will come to us. Read verses 18 to 20. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The promise is here. We've talked throughout this series about the promises that Jesus makes and how they're for us as well. The promise is here, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. I will go to you, as the sermon said last week. And so here we are. We await Jesus' return here on this earth, and as we look forward to that return, as we wait, the Spirit compels us. That last verse. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. We love Jesus, and so we keep his commands. He loves us. It's the same way that Jesus loves the Father. And you need to see this. Jesus loves the Father, and so what does he do? He obeys the Father. He listens to the Father. He does everything that the Father does. And we see the Father loves him. We see this all throughout the book of John. You can look chapters 3, 5, 8, 14, anywhere through the book of John, you can see the love that exists between the Father and the Son. And as the Father loves the Son and shows him all things, we're told in this verse, so we will see Jesus, the true revelation of God, the clearest, brightest picture of who God is. We will see him. There's a unity that Jesus is talking about here. And we can you know, fast forward to John 17, where he prays for us, where he prays for the unity of the church, where he prays for you and me and Jesus. There's a unity, a oneness to what Jesus is talking about in his love for us. We're shaped, we're transformed by the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ, and we more and more mirror the oneness that Jesus and the Father share. As we keep Jesus' commands, part of this is knowing him, and part of knowing him is believing what he has to say. At the basis level, when we talk about relationship, what's it built upon? The foundation of trust. And so we trust in Jesus and what he has to say. We believe that he's trustworthy. And because we know he's trustworthy, we believe that he'll keep his promises, whether standing in front of us or interceding on our behalf before the throne of our Father. 
wherever he is, his heart remains the same for us, deeply in love with us, more so than we can ever imagine for ourselves, concerned with us, and everything that troubles us, he knows these things, and it concerns him too. And he'll keep on loving us all the way to the end. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to reside in us. But we confess, Lord, we don't know him as we should. We admit before you and before all of our brothers and sisters here, we don't take care to know him. We don't think about him. rather be walking with Jesus in the flesh all the way back in the time of the disciples believing that this would make our Christian lives easier and yet if we truly trust in what your son did and what he said we know that it's better for him to go for him to prepare a place for us for him to intercede on our behalf better that the counselor comes to us our helper our comforter in our time of greatest need the one who convicts our hearts of the sin that resides that pulls us still the one that refreshes our soul the one indeed that regenerates our hearts causes us to draw near to you. We long, Lord, and we ask that you would help us, Holy Spirit, to lay down our arms, to put down our defenses, that we would surrender fully to you, that we would surrender all to you, and that we would say that what Jesus did, who he is, is enough. greatest treasure, your supreme satisfaction, more than anything in this world, for everything in this world is fleeting, is disappearing before our very eyes, but you are forever, and Holy Spirit, you're in us forever, and we want to be in this with you, we want to commit our lives to you. We want, Lord, to give you permission to even ask you, change us, make it a permanent change, make it something that we can't deny any longer. We know this Christian life is hard when we go alone, and so we thank you that you've taken away the danger giving us the Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you would guide us, give us wisdom, transform us, 
renew our minds, make us new. Help us to love you.